Welcome to the 21st edition of Make Pro Wrestling with Jessica again. I am unfortunately and totally fraud former Majestic Champion of the World Tiger Height. And so we will tell you who. Mothership is the first ever women's Majestic Champion of the World. Yes, she is, but she is not the first non-one-of-us champion. Yes. Uh, male parental units, but and, yes. And I am the person who has gone through 10 labors in the last 30 minutes, Peanut Gallery. He almost died at the, the very the, end the, of... The um, labors of Peanut Gallery... <laughs> Because he can't breathe. So, I can't. If you saw the number of debuts I had to witness in like one night. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But let's talk about um, New Japan's Wrestle Grand Slam. Which night. was equally, but also not equally as good. Let's not like shove the mic in our throat, okay? Okay. All right. So our first match was Team Flying Tigers, which is obviously Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask taking on Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi of... Um, well, it's Igor Bernabas, Hayabon. There we go. Thank you. That was it. I, but my mind went blank there. It's been a long weekend. Anyway, it's been a very it long has. weekend. <laughs> but um, this was a great opener. Yeah, this was a fantastic match, and um, it was a Rob Miller special on Bushi to win. So number one, great that Hiromu did not eat the pin yet. Yep. And I think I definitely. Well, we will see actually. Um, at the very end, that we will see this team go for the tag team champions, but that will be later. But this was a great opener. Mm-hmm. I love this match. Anyway, let's talk about another match that I. This just... was my favorite match. Really? Oh, I like of this of this night. Yeah, I do like this match. It wasn't my favorite personally, but it was definitely. It was there. show versus yo. As far as rivalries go, oh, this was by, absolutely with, perfect with rivalries by far. Um, shows new look, the new attitude, yep. the new theme song. It's great, and then he won with a weird modified arm breaker after totally cheating, and I loved it. It's mm-hmm. like, they really established him as a mega heel. I don't know what the fuck that is, but we're just going to roll with it. It is a thing. It's really annoying. That is a thing. Let me see. Oh, I see. Get over there. Eh, it'll work. Anyway. Well, anyway, so I don't. I know you don't want to see his lovely face anymore. I know. My face is just a mess today. Anyway. Um, yeah, your red nose there, Rudolph. Yeah, and then I have like this huge thing on the side of my face, too. It's, it's all wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, too. Anyway, um, Show did win the match by TKO, and he joins the Bullet Club in the House of Torture. And I'll get to that here when we make uh, Pro Wrestling Majestic again. But yes. this was ugh, House of Torture does not look good. Let's go to a match that actually I'm not sure if I enjoyed or not. I enjoyed this match a lot. I like really? this. I like the side of Toriano. Yes. Yeah, so um, if you did not know, Torio Toriano was not always that big babyface buffoon that we know and love. He actually used to be one of the biggest heels in New Japan. And so I loved the new attitude. Um, he dyed his hair blonde. Yep. Um, he basically, he no bones about it. He was literally heel the entire time. Nothing, nothing about the Toro Yano that you know. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Right. This was awesome, and there was something that I think really needed to happen when it came to this KOPW champion, right. because I'm sorry, it's a joke, right? and I felt like this made this 
feel like something more important. Yeah, it was something more important. At least Toriano. It didn't be more important than anybody else, but you felt what Toriano felt during right. this match, which was perfect. And um, Toriano won. Mm-hmm. He was about to basically um, blind Chase Owens. Now we know now that Chase Owens is a part of um, G1, so great, for, good for him. Yeah. It's definitely an upgrade because I think he really shined in this match. He looked great. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We really will. Can we not, like, eat our mic? Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. Look, it's, like, right here, and I think I'm a little too loud. I think you are. Here, let's do that. All right. Oh, that's much better. Anyway, much better. Um, let's talk about Kazuchika Okada and Jeff Cobb just a one-on-one once again. So... It, it did not meet my expectations, but I do like Jeff Cobb getting the pin I do over too. Kazuchika Okada. Okada did not need this win. He did win. not need Jeff the win. Jeff Cobb needed this win. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, too, because, you know, Kazuchika Okada, I think, is beyond the title runs at this point. He's more of just a special attraction sort of person, so... Well, I mean, Okada definitely needs at least one World Heavyweight title oh, yeah, run at some point in time. Yeah. but. Right now, him Give elevating him a few more years. Him, him elevating some of this younger talent into this title scene is exactly what right. he needs to do. He's already a legend. He's already established as such. Might as well have him do this for now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And also, this um, gives him the opportunity to rest his back a little bit. So that's always a good yep. thing. This was, I mean, it was a great match. This was a very good match. You can never go wrong with an Okada Cobb match. No, but I'm sick and tired of seeing it. Let's talk about our main event. This match was awesome. It was. Um, I was a little bit worried about Kota Bushi because this was Kota Bushi looked good. This was his first real test after his um, after his pneumonia battle. And pneumonia is no joke. It's not. No. So I was a little bit worried, but obviously he looked great. Literally, I don't think this man has had a single like parcel of body hair ever in his entire existence right it's just amazing anyway um it was a great match i uh, high five flow it was only one though which is kind of yeah. was kind of weird but it was um tanahashi to retain the united states heavyweight champion yep i think well i i chose kodabushi to win because i thought he did but i still feel like overall that was the right call it was um I feel like they needed to bring this legitimacy to this title. Kota Ibushi needs a little bit of time to build himself back up. Right. Um, Tanahashi has been working consistently. As, as much as I love Kota Ibushi. Right. And, you know, he was he was with Cobb before, but now they, they definitely need to bring back this title and really get it integrated right. back into the Japanese scene because it was gone for so long. Yeah. So this was at least good there. And with Tanahashi, you can't go wrong with Tanahashi. This guy right. is fucking 50, and right. he's doing the matches that he is. And he looks as good as he is. Yep, like, Jesus absolutely. Christ. Um, but anyway, that was match number there. That was match number one. That was night number one. We'll move straight into night number two. Yeah. All right, night number two. So our first match, let's just start off right off the bat with Kazuchika Okada and uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan. And this so was a- so so did I ever, did I remind you how much I love Night Empire just like in general as like a human being now here here's my thing that I like the the United Empire this team right here they have not I think they've only lost like one tag team yep. match they have to go for the tag team belts at this point and they why will. haven't they 
because they're biding their time. No, they're they're no, um, because uh, because Will Osprey, the leader of UE, is not currently in action. That's why they're waiting for Will Osprey to come back. Really? Yep. All right. I mean, if that's what they're doing, then that's what they're waiting for. Right. Also, they are gonna bring somebody else in from America. We don't know who this is gonna be. Yes, yet. they are gonna be adding a new person to this um, group. But that has been rumored that there is one person from a United States promotion. Who is going to become part of United Empire? I wonder who it is. Hmm. We got, um, you know, of course, we have Chris Bay, who became part of Bullet Club. Yes, we do have Chris Bay with um, Bullet Club. But so I, we I can have Impact. We have Impact. We have Triple A. We can have. It's going to be an Impact person, I believe. An Impact, so? or it's going to be an Impact or an AEW person. Right, an AEW person. I still have to figure out who it's going to be, but that might be a topic for a future heckling. I think so. Um, but it was a dominator on Ishii for that. So great. The person who was obviously going to eat the pin ate the pin. Mm-hmm. And also it builds up Great Khan, who definitely needs it. And also he looked really good. This was a fun match. I like it. It was a great match. Here's my thing. Also, I, I love how Great Khan dresses up in a suit. Oh, yeah. So when Great Khan is not wrestling, he's not in his gear. And that drives me crazy. Oh, I hate it when wrestlers are in gear when they're not actually wrestling. Right. I, we might do that when we make Pro Wrestling Majestic again, but I will talk about that. Okay, it is very interesting because that show will make Pro Wrestling Majestic again. Anyway, let's talk about the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships between Bullet Club's cutest tag team, El Fantasmo and Taichi Ishimori taking on El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kanemaru of Suzuki Gun. They deserved to lose. This was a great match. It was a way. great match, but I did not like the Bull Club's cutest tag team. The uh, the moniker was really annoying. It was. And it's like, no, you guys like I like the team itself. I do have, too. But I, I can't I want to take them seriously. Right. I can't They're take... a bullet club. <laughs> they don't get like they... fuck. There are bullet clubs and other promotions that are doing Hell on Heels better, which we'll talk about later. How are we going to talk about that later? Um, with a with AEW, there are Bullet Club members or the ex Bullet Club members. Hell on Heels? No, AEW. Oh yes, okay. I'm sorry. No, I I was like, how is that the tie? No, you said Hell on Heels, like the women's tag team from Empower. <sighs> That's what they were called. That's why I got confused. I'm like, wait, who are you talking about? No, I said this is. I I said something about heels, and you're like, well, no. No, these... you said hell on heels. I did not. Yes, you did. You 100 percent did. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to um, the next one. Desperado and Yashinabu won the titles again, so I think they're the four-time tag team champions. They something are like that. Uh, good on them. Anyway, let's talk about this triple threat. I did. N- I didn't like this match. I didn't either. This was my least... Uh, the The expectations were all there, but the delivery was not what I wanted. It was a mess. I felt it like was, it was it a felt. M- it felt almost premature. Right. That was my issue. It felt unorganized. It almost felt like the entire match was called on the fucking fly. I'm gonna, we'll That's t- how I felt. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But yes, Dangerous Techers... Or, oh, nope. Dangerous Techers over there... L.I.J. here, and then Chaos over here. 
And obviously, all of them have claim to it. I just don't think it should have been triple threat. Great storyline going into it. It was the absolute perfect storyline going into it, but the match itself did not meet those expectations. Yep, and it was uh, the Black Mepesto on the Yoshihashi for the Techers to retain. And yeah, you're not missing a lot if you don't watch this match. Uh, Let's talk about a match that you would be an idiot not to watch. This was a great match. Yep. Robbie Eagles defending the IWGP. Junior Heavyweight Champion against Hiromu Takahashi. Here's my thing. I am so happy. I love Hiromu. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But I'm so goddamn happy he did not win this match. Yeah, hindsight 2020, yeah. No, I was was pissed off that, number one, he even got the opportunity in the first place. I didn't want him to win this. Well, didn't didn't he have to vacate it? Yeah, he had to vacate it. So he deserves a shot at it. But I know, but obviously he lost, so that's perfectly fine. Right, but then he'll get, I mean, if he won it again, he'll get injured again because this is the thir- that was the third time that he has had to vacate this belt because of an injury. Hey, who cares? Robbie Eagles won. It was a great match, and it was a Ron Miller, so it was a full tap out, 100%. Yeah, and it was 100%. It was a clean finish. Um, Desperado came in and cut a promo. He basically exchanged a... Um, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match for a Heavyweight Championship rematch. Awesome. This establishes those Tag Team Champions to to be more valuable than anything right now. Yeah, and I'll talk about the valuability of yes, the we tag absolutely team will. But yes. this was great. It was put put more of these matches on this Junior Heavyweight. Yep. Uh, this Junior Heavyweight division's been saved. Let's talk about our final match. I was incredibly disappointed. Thank you. So was I. I was very disappointed. Um, this was not the match I was expecting. No, Shingo versus Evil. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna talk. I'm really gonna rant about this match when we make pro wrestling majestic again. But I'm. I'm telling you, this was not a match you want to see. This no. was not good. It was. It was disappointing. And it was Last of the Dragon, so Shingo is the champion. They're going to have Shingo and Osprey to unify the belt. I'm going to assume a wrestle. I'm, that's just what I'm going if, to if, assume. If, well, no. We have G1 Climax, which we'll talk about. The G1 Climax yes, tournament. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have any of the participants written down, by the way. Um, I, have, I, I sort of know who's going to be in it, but the point being yeah, is that... Not. The point being is that... There's obviously a bigger rivalry waiting in the works, and we just have to be patient. Exactly. The obvious rivalry that's going into it is going to be Will Ospreay versus Shingo Tagagi. Exactly. And we just have to roll with it. Exactly. So That's what I'm waiting for. Absolutely. I love the United Empire. Oh, yeah. Did so, I ever mention that? <laughs> really. So when we come back, we're not only going to make New Japan Pro Wrestling Majestic again, but we're going to make Pro Wrestling Majestic again. All right, so let's make this shit majestic again. I love the fact that... Well, let's one- talk about just in general. Let's talk about this whole junior junior heavyweight championship division because we can kind of roll both right, of because, these Because we have this. So number one, I like that they are establishing more junior heavyweight tag teams. Because we have Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask, who are right. uh, two or force right now. Uh, we had that ju- whole junior tag league. And then we also have this one with Hiromu and Bushi. And I love Bushi and shit. He's very underrated, personally. I yeah. love Bushi. So we're getting these teams 
that are fully established that can go right. for these belts. Yeah, other LI, than, LI, LIJ is on a roll right now. Right. They and are then, they're really establishing themselves and then, as and then, the then top have, baby right. faces of the company. And then we have Team Flying Tigers here. You can't go wrong with them because one of them is a junior heavyweight champion. The other one's fucking Tiger Mask. Los that, Ingman, gimmick, Ingman that gimmick has been around for 80 fucking years. Right. I mean, you can't go wrong. So with the loss of... Rapungi 3K and them being their own established thing, which is we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, I, I like it. I think that LIJ is really proving themselves to be a force in the junior tag team divisions. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. I think so. I think there's definitely some eyes. I mean, if you're not watching this junior heavyweight tag team division, you need to now. Right. There's definitely going to be some shifts and moves that I'm really going to like seeing. We're going to see some um, new Bullet Club stuff with Show joining the right. group. Right, so why don't we talk a little bit about Show joining the Bullet Club? Yeah, let's do that. Go if, on your rants. Oh, oops. Nope. Wrong one. There we go. Anyway, so here's my thing. Um, Rant beginning. Yes. So, I like that Show has joined a new group. I think him being established in a new group is a positive. Here's my problem. They have totally fucked up. This house of torture. Number one, this is a brand new established group with brand new established people with show in it. And I was excited. I'm like, great. We have another splinter for Bullet Club. By the way, this is the first time I've ever heard of this group exactly. before tonight. And when you even... and when you saw that, you had Dick Togo, Evil, Yujiro, and now Show. Right. Great. A solid little established splinter cell team. That can go for six-man tag, junior tag, because Dick Togo's a junior. Right. And with show, that would be an interesting little team there. And then you also now have the heavyweight tag with Evil and Yujiro if you want to build that team. But then the problem was when you get the fucking night two, you have... Well, I'll, I'll talk about it when we really get there because I'm really going to rant about it. But they, they, they basically shit on this team um, by night two. But... I loved this. I wouldn't have changed this for the world. Um, I like Show as the heel. Yo is not going anywhere anytime soon. And honestly, I wouldn't have booked this any differently. Peanut Gallery, do you have anything else to rebuttal outside of what I just said? Nope. Okay. Uh, let's go into this one, the um, KOPW. Okay. Okay. Sure. So... Um, I, this had to happen. This 100% had to happen. This established that this thing is worth something. I like the, um, the gimmick change with the blonde, um, most violent player, Toro Yano, coming back. Right. Peanut Gallery. Holy shit. Okay. Lord. So anyway, um... Other than my phone totally falling off of the tripod. I don't know why that happened. Anyway. Because you're asking me if I was okay, but you're <laughs> like, well, I do you're you're just sitting here and you're you're just like talking your ass off. I think I think when I am <laughs> I'm reserving my ass for what happened today because fuck this you. This is when you're gonna rant. Um apparently my ranting was so great that the um, camera fell off. It of did. <laughs> it's kinda like a Trump rally. This is when the things fall apart. Everything falls apart. Soon, soon the um, soon the green screen's gonna set on fire. Yep. You know, every 
everything that could go wrong is going to go exactly. wrong. Exactly. Anyway, um, Toro Yano needed this, and I think that the KOPW division overall was looked at as a joke. This was not a joke. This is exactly what this needed, and I wouldn't have booked this match any different. Right. I like the violence with it. I liked how, in some cases, how uncomfortable it got. And it was a, such a great different thing from your mundane New Japan stuff. Right. It really made this work. Right. So I wouldn't have actually have changed this. This made, this made the KOPW division majestic. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. It was great. I am so tired of this fucking match, man. I'm so done with it. I mean, they have great chemistry. I love this. Right. But at the same time, this is the... I am not kidding you, what, that third or fourth fucking month that we have had to cover a Kazuchika Okada-Jeff Cobb rivalry? Right. And it's, it's, it's annoying. It's really annoying. And I hope to God that this is it. Have Cobb and Okan go for the tag at this point. What else are you waiting for other than Osprey? He's back. He's back wrestling. He just right. has to come back to the fucking country. Right. And then Okada can do something else. Have him go for the U.S. champion. That'd be cool. Right. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, I was very worried about Kota Bushi. Obviously, my worry... It was, it was okay. It wasn't the best in the world, but I understand why they were safe with it. They were they were very safe with it. They were being very cautious with right. Ibushi. Um, I thought even with that, and I think you couldn't have picked a better person to have lead a match than Hiroshi Tanahashi right. in a return after pneumonia. Absolutely. And I wouldn't, honestly, it wasn't as high-flying or hard-hitting as it would have been, but given the circumstances and giving Kota Ibushi that high profile for him to get back into it, yep. Jesus Christ, I wouldn't have done anything different. Yeah. Absolutely. It was great. Um, and also, this is really establishing that um, IWGP uh, United States Heavyweight Champion into the good graces just like they did with the Intercontinental. Right. Have more of these matches with two former heavyweight champions in great matches. Right. And that title is going to build up that reputation all day long. Yep. And I even said that I am so happy that this IWGP United States heavyweight champion is back in Japan. Yeah. Because this is a IWGP, a Japanese um secondary title. This is a secondary title, right. and they have something to go for. Perfect. I can't say anything more right. about it. It was great. Um, once again, why have these two? I know what you're going to say, but these two... You at already this know point, my opinion on this, so... They need to go for... I don't even care if fucking Osprey is there or not. They need to go for these tag team champions. They are the most winningest team right now in Japan. And now they might be too late because after G1, we're going to have the Tag League, the World Tag League. And if the, unless these two fucking win, what are you waiting for? These two need to win these belts either before or at Wrestle Kingdom. Right. Because they're just they're just too winning. They have a great um, they have great chemistry together. And people like seeing them. So right. don't hesitate more. Oh, I am... Number one, I am glad that they got these junior heavyweight tags off of the Bullet Club's cutest tag team because I'm done with that. Yeah, like, I'm so one, am I. You... And I'll need, talk about it. Yep, you will need a gimmick 
that takes these two motherfuckers seriously. They can do comedy shit, but have them be serious. Mm -hmm. What is your thought about this? Because right now we're on this. We're making Pro Wrestling Majestic again. How do you make the Bullet Club's cutest tag team Majestic? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I'm, I'm honest. Honestly, Ow. you don't. Kick the damn. What? You okay. don't. You don't make them Majestic. You disband the tag team. You disband them? Yes, you disband that tag team. You go away with it. Why? Because there isn't a place for them anymore. You you make one of them go for the tag team, not tag team, the heavyweight championship, the junior heavyweight championship. You why would you have the cutest what tag what? No, the Bullet Club is about as relevant as a box of rocks right now until show came in. Now it might be more relevant. I, I'd rather not see El, El, El Fantasmo needs to go for the singles title and you put show in with Taiji. Okay. Yeah. I like that. No, that's, I, I actually think that's a really good idea. Show and Taiji Ishimori as tag team champions. I can see that. I'm sorry. El, El Fantasmo is his own thing. Like, right. really, like, off the rails his own thing. And, ta I mean, Taiji Ishimori is also his own thing, but right. I feel like um, Sho would go better with Ishimori mm -hmm. than he would with Phantasma. Exactly. Exactly. I see what you're saying. Okay. And, obviously, with Desperado and Yoshinabu, um, right. I'm okay with them winning the belt again because, once again, you're continuing to keep but, but, El Desperado strong. But, yeah, but but El Fantasmo, is, is, he's just so weird. He's so off the rails as he far has as to, Bullet to, Club he goes. He has to be himself. He has to be himself, exactly. And I'll he talk can, about this. He, he can be with Bullet Club, but I just feel like him and a team at this point is irrelevant. It's weird. Right. It was weird seeing Ishimori kind of do his little thing with... Fantasma. It was weird. Yeah. It's a little... You can't take him seriously. Right. Um. He, okay, I do want to say something about this before you jump in. This was a mess of a match. This was not a good match. It was a clusterfuck. It was a clusterfuck. And some people like it and some people don't. New Japan is not a place that I watch a clusterfuck. I don't watch clusterfucks New Japan. Right. Here's my if you thing. want to watch a clusterfuck, you watch WWE. And Pina Gallery is going to be talking more in depth about uh, the booking style of the New Japan style, and that's fine. Yep. But here's the thing. This is not what that is. They're trying to do something that they're not good at. Right. Triple threats are fine if they have a but structure. This, it, it does, this, this triple felt, threats don't really have a place in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This, this felt like a big botch. It was. It was That's a what big, I felt. It was a gigantic botch. They're like, oh, two competitors are going to start. And then there's like, anybody can go in and anybody can pin anybody. No. Well, if again, you, we can talk about this, but we, we talked about, we did a little bit of the rules of certain promotions. Okay, no, I, okay, I, I get that. But once again... The with, with like even Mexico, they start with three people. This did not start with three people. This That's started true. with two. It did. That's where it lost me there. If three people were involved in the match in some way, shape, or form, at least I can buy right. that, oh, this person's pinning this person, but that's because your partner ran out. If 
one member of LIJ was eliminated or it was hit with a big move and then one of these two came in. How the fuck does that make sense? Right. That doesn't make sense to me. None of this made sense. This felt like a total sleeper match where they totally ruined two possibly very good matches. Here's what I would have done. I would have night had one. You would have had a number one contenders match night between two, between these two. Right. Night, yep. Night number two to be a champion versus a winner of that match. Yep. I would have totally taken out the junior tag team match with Team Flying Tigers. I would have done this match instead, and then had them go against. And then and um, then if the other Tigers. if the other team was really wanting to, they interfere. Have have a fucking six man tag right. at the um have a fucking six man tag earlier in the night and call it a fucking day. This was so not necessary. It was not necessary. Anyways. And also, it was just a mess. That's how I would have made that shit majestic again. It's not that fucking hard, people. I wouldn't have changed a thing. Nope. Um, other than my displeasure of um, Hiromu going for the belt again. At this point, he's really looking at heavyweight. Might as well have him going heavyweight. He is about to move up there, so let's just move on. To the- I, might, I, might have a, I might have a moan about that when it comes to Gato booking, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. There was way too much interference in this there match. There was. That's what killed it for me. It's like evil. We'll talk about this too. We'll talk. No, we're talking about this now. No, no, we're making no, the shit majestic again. No, we'll talk about <laughs> this interference thing because it's a problem with it's a problem with Bullet Club more specifically throughout history. I think it's more I think it's worse now than it ever has been. Are you kidding? This is abs- this was absurd. Need I need I remind you about AJ Styles' first run as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion? Did they did he have like five people out there constantly yes! interfering like this bullshit? Yes, he this did. drove this drove me up a wall during this match. This is the Gato problem. We'll discuss in the next part, but but I would have had. Once again, here's the, here's the problem with this. When you have too much interference, you ruin the allure of interference. Mm-hmm. The one thing is, like with like the young bucks or whatever, the elite. Sometimes it can get a little crazy. But, but I almost it, I have an expectation. But it but but no, it's impactful. It's right. very brief. This happened the whole match, and, and he and still changed. lost. Right. He. Still lost. Right. That's what was the problem. He still lost. But this almost ruined evil. But do you do you want me to give you a positive for this? Yes, go ahead. There is a positive. It has established LIJ and Bullet Club as the two big teams that will be the face and the heels. LIJ is the big babyface team. They are bigger than chaos at this point. Right. As far as babyface teams go. Bullet Club is bigger than any other heel team at this point. Yes. They're bigger than even UE. Of course, United Empire was supposed to take that place. United Empire is still too young, personally. Right. Like it's, it's hard but, to really but, establish But United Empire was supposed to take the place of Bullet Club, but UE's leader got injured. Oh, really? And... Well, yeah, well, Osprey got injured. I'm aware of that. I didn't know that they were that was the established thing for Bullet Club. They were going to get rid of Bullet Club. No, they weren't. But they were uh, not going to have Bullet Club be the primary heel team. Ah, it was going to be UE. However, because of the injury of their leader, they had to go to with push it back. They had to push it back. 
So I actually, like in hindsight, it actually makes a lot of sense. And I really enjoy this overarching rivalry between Bullet Club and... Here's my problem, though. Uh, this, the, the amount... In the, the amount of interference and the fact that it took LIJ till the very end of the match to come out here really established that evil is the weakest little piece of shit in the world. Well, yeah, he's weak, but I'm going to explain that to you in the next section, why evil is so weak. <sighs> and it's like, okay, evil's so good, and that's the problem. This he's weak, but anyways... <laughs> He looks weak now, but remember, there was a point in time when people were saying that Evil was like the fucking sleeper cell to get out of LIJ and right. become his own thing. Well, I've had two I've had two bottles of wine. I'm ready to talk about my shit. Ugh. Okay, so when we come back, Peanut Gallery is going to be talking about Hecklin. Well, not Hecklin, but you know what I mean. All right, we'll be back. All right, we are back, Peanut Gallery. What are we talking about for Hecklin from the hard camera? Yeah, so I'm going to test out this new series. I'm going to be going through the booking styles of certain bookers. Now, I thought about doing it on a promotional basis, but I feel like doing it on a booker basis might be more interesting because then I can talk about people who have gone through different wrestling promotions and have brought their styles to those different promotions. Okay. Now, of course, you know we have um, the booking styles of Gato. Gato is very well known for his his booking styles throughout New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, there was actually a it's actually a very interesting um, tidbit about Gato's booking style that was done many years ago, um, where Gato would he still uses pen and paper like he has a notebook of wrestlers that are still active today. And he is a very long-term style of booker. And um, it is said that he books wrestlers two years out. Jesus. So everything that you are seeing right now as a part of booking goes back to 2019. Now, maybe the pandemic changed a few things. But we can talk about this, and let's talk about the first, or, or I guess one of the greatest um, rivalries of all time, Okada and Omega. Okay. And the reason I want to talk about this, because I think this is a perfect example of long-term booking. Gato literally had this rivalry play out for two years. Mm -hmm. And despite the fact that... There were gaps, so they weren't facing each other every single month throughout the entire rivalry, right? Right. But the rivalry was always there, and you can see it today with teams like, um, with the United Empire, for example. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of long term booking being had in that, right? Even though United Empire is only a year old there is still going to be that level of... Osprey, Osprey was always supposed to be his own thing at some point. Right. Because he was just too good to be a lackey for somebody. Exactly. And, and then you... So you got, um, the, you got um, LIJ, you got uh, Bullet Club. Uh, Evil becoming a part of Bullet Club, that was planned years in advance. Hmm. 
And you're starting to see the fruits of that happen. Now, with evil winning double gold actually brings me to another piece. And let's talk about how faces become heels within within New Japan Pro Wrestling. So within New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's a heavy emphasis on teams, right? Yes. Factions. So the easiest way for a face to become a heel, as we have seen very recently, is for the one of the good guys to become a bad guy. Right. And the bad guy breaks off from the old team and becomes a member of the new team. And so in Japan, betraying your clan, your tribe, your team, is seen as the ultimate act of betrayal. Right. And so guess where we saw that? Show versus Yo, right? Right. Where Show betrayed Yo, and now this individual goes off on their own path. And then you also had, once again, Evil doing that big betrayal with... Sonata. Um, Naito. Oh, it was, it was, it was Naito. Naito. Because Naito was double champion. That's and right. Evil won the um, New Japan Cup right after the... This was like literally right after they came back from the Yes, pandemic. it was. And so um, actually Evil becoming the champion and losing is actually another big part of Gato's booking style. And I'll kind of explain that in the end because I think it kind of ties a lot of different things in. But um, let's talk a little bit about titles. So I want to talk about uh, Kenny Omega's United States Championship reign. So Kenny Omega was the first ever IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Yes. How many times do you think that Kenny Omega defended it before it kind of became like a legitimate like this is a big deal sort of title? I don't know. It was three times. He had he had three title defenses before it kind of almost became like a legendary status title. Hmm. In New Japan, the more prestigious the championship is, the, the less is defended. Nope, the more is defended. Which huh. is weird. That is really weird. You think about something like the IWG, uh, not the IWGP, the um, Never Open Way Six Man Tag Team Champions. Yeah. You'll have something like that where someone will hold those titles for 100 or 150 days without a single defense. You know why? Because they're not as prestigious as some of the more important titles. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're more defended, but it doesn't mean that the title reigns are always necessarily longer. Exactly. I see. So that's why these titles... Now, the Never Open Weights have gone through their ups and downs. I think right now they are the literal strongest they have ever been. But they're not defended as much as... No, they're as, not. They're not, they're not defended mean, part, as part, much part as... Of them, uh, yeah. Two of the three of them went for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions yeah. like earlier today. Yeah, so the less important the championships are, oh. the less the less number of times they're defended. Oh. So the more important I didn't know that. the more important they are, the more they're defended. However, within New Japan, there's a set number of times in which they are defended. There's a set number of times? Yeah, they're only defended once every other month or so. Oh. Just out of tradition. That's oh. just the way that's always been. I never knew that. And so when you have something like uh, 
Kenny Omega's United States Heavyweight Champion, uh, yeah, U.S. Heavyweight Championship reign. After four or five times, it became legendary for him to have it because that was about a year at that point. Hmm. And so the other thing that happens, too, is that Gato really listens to what the fans have to say. So when I talk about that, I'm talking about something like um, AJ Styles' um, uh, first reign as IWGP Heavyweight Champion. When he was that champion, he was part of Bullet Club, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of interferences going on at that time, kind of like how you were complaining about that with Evil, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, and so Gato listens to what the fans are reacting to. And the fans really determine the direction that the team goes. It does not determine whether someone becomes a babyface or a heel like the WWE does. But they change the tactics based on what the fans are reacting to. Oh, in subtle ways. Oh, I see. So, just because you may complain about evil having a lot of interference, what if that's selling out tickets? What if that's selling out stadiums? He doesn't care about that. He wants the people to come and see. But if evil... So, for example, let's talk about evil's first reign. When he lost last summer to Tetsuya Naito, where we thought that was too soon, Right. Right. That was actually Gato listening to the fans and saying... And not taking evil seriously. Right. The fans are not taking evil seriously. Don't know why, but whatever. Well, again... Because, because, fan, looking, because fans are morons. Right. Well, no. He was... This is actually perfect because Gato listens to what the fans are doing. And he encourages the wrestlers to be authentic. Interesting. And so, just, so, based on what the fans are doing, Gato does not want the fans to be manipulated by what the wrestlers do. He wants the wrestlers and the factions to manipulate themselves based on what the fans are saying. Hmm, interesting. And so, I, I believe that the initial plan in 2020 was to have Evil be a longer-term champion, but the fans were not reacting very well to Evil being the double champion. And they were trying to get people talking about a big title change because that was right after the pandemic. Exactly. And they also wanted to establish Evil as a um, heel main eventer, and I think even after this, it just didn't help because there was so much interference. Exactly. And yes, I'm still going to complain about it no matter what. I don't necessarily fault Evil for it, nor do I fault Gato for it. Right. But the problem is, is that there's such a thing as too much interference. There is. And Evil, but... Evil, AJ Styles was already an established main eventer before this, before he became champion. So multiple interferences worked for him in that way. With evil, they needed to. Whoop! Jeez, man, I'm a mess today. They needed to make sure that he was established as somebody who can already beat people right. by himself before he had interference. AJ Styles could have beaten anybody at any time, no matter what. It just made it easier for him. Right. Evil, we never got that establishment. It was right. always interference. It was. 
always interference, and that was a problem. All right. That's where they lost so, people. So um, the other thing I want to talk about, too, is we're going to kind of move forward here. But I want to talk about Hiroshi Tanahashi's reign as champion. He was the IWGP champion for a while. Was it Hiroshi Tanahashi? It was Hiroshi Tanahashi, yes. It was. So, um, trying to find the picture. There we go. So the point with this one is that Gato and, and just New Japan in general, they're not afraid to try something out with somebody. So a part of me feels like that evil was just a test. Yes. And he was a test that did not work out very well, which is fine, which was just perfectly okay. Um, but New Japan has such a variety in its roster because of the way that the roster is structured that allows for more people to become guinea pigs. Right. And I say this because they listen to what the fans are reacting to. And they also keep in mind the overarching story. So remember, everybody has a two-year story arc right. going along with everything that's happening right now. So think about it. Everything that's happening right now is probably in Gato's mind last year. Right. Or the year before, which is crazy to say. But New Japan has always been focused on that very, very long-term booking. And that's why I think a lot of it works. It's like you need to follow the journey to get to the right destination. And that's the thing is that you have to follow the journey of the wrestler in order to understand where they're getting at the and destination. I, and I think that's why there are a lot of people who still like that kind of booking because it is that old-school way of doing things. Right. And the last thing I want to talk about too, which I think – goes very well into kind of what's happening up up uh, upcoming with the G1 climax is I want to talk about the way in which they do their tournaments the G1 right so the the way in which they this is last year's G1 by the way but the the way in which they do all of their tournaments in general is not an elimination it's always red robin it is always a round robin and so, in my opinion, I feel like that this is a part of that long-term booking where they really build somebody up and they win this tournament think, because they're facing everybody else. Right. I think I think around no matter what. Right. I think round robin really works for this kind of style of booking of wrestling because yeah, you have to win a certain amount of matches. You're building that person up. They really work yep. hard. Everybody faces everybody at some point in time, and I, I think it's a great way to do it. I've always loved round-robin tournaments, but the problem is people are so much like immediate now, immediate now. Maybe I want, I want to know who wins right now. I think it's part of the American culture. It's hard to really readjust to that. Um, G1 has always been at least pretty okay about making sure that it's not too mundane, but you know, you're going to have to wait three months before you know who's going to be that. They're starting in September, and I think the last one is usually in, like, December. Mm-hmm. So you literally will have to wait until then for um, the winner to happen. But you need to enjoy the journey. And yeah. once again, the how they do the tournaments is pretty much how I think they do their entire booking. Enjoy the journey. Yep. The destination will come, because and you, the, you won't be the, disappointed. Right. The destination, it's just a moment in time, but you have to appreciate the journey upon which these wrestlers are embarking upon because 
in some notebook somewhere, Gato has all of that r- written down, <laughs> recorded, and it is going to work out very well. So right. my plan for this is to have a series. I'm not going to base it off of certain wrestling promotions, but I'm going to base it off of certain bookers. So I do plan on doing a Vince Russo. Oh, God. I do plan on doing a Bruce Pritchard. Jim Cornette. A Jim Cornette. And Eric Bischoff. Did he pick Eric Bischoff book wrestling? Yeah, he booked WCW. Did he book or did he produce? He booked. The NWO, that was his making. That was his influence. Uh, he was influenced by another thing in Japan, but I'm not sure who was he the was actual. He was the producer. Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan. Vince McMahon. And I'm going to split Vince McMahon up because there's multiple eras of Vince. Right. And Triple H. Yeah. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels? Yeah, he definitely did. And Because he did primarily NXT. Uh, Hulk Hogan for, you know, I mean, there's a ton of different examples. So let me know what your thoughts are on this. I call it the booking. Booking styles. This is booking styles Gato. What are your thoughts on it? Absolutely. So when we come well, back. What are your thoughts? Um, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I, I like the booking style. I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's a swing and a miss. And the problem is, is that it's so long-term, I feel like you don't know if it's a miss until it's too late. Exactly. I can see where that can come into play. Right. But and for, I'm not, I'm not going to do this week by week by week, but maybe like a once-a-month thing if there's nothing else to talk about. Right. That sort of thing. But anyways, when we come back, wrestling lesson, Tiger Height is going to talk, talk about I'm going to talk about topics. Pa- I'm going to talk about pay-per-views that have changed pro wrestling companies and the industry forever so stay tuned for that
Alright, so wrestling lesson tonight is going to be brief because, you know, it's a long night. It's 10 o'clock, and I feel like we don't really have to do this. But Marky. It is. But because All Out happened, I wanted to talk about um, pro wrestling pay-per-views that were the gambles that paid off. Mm-hmm. I can't really talk about all of them because some of them are older, some of them don't have too much information, and some of them have different circumstances that have come above it. But there are some that I do want to talk about. Now, I want to talk about 2019's All Out because there are a couple of different things here. Number one, All In was not produced by AEW, so it cannot count as a... Um, once that, that one thing that changed professional, it changed professional wrestling, but it didn't change a company. Right. It was not a, if, if all in was not a success, I don't feel like all or AEW would have been affected. No, but it gave more of that incentive for all elite wrestling to really kick into some sort of high gear. And 2019 was obviously the first one, but if the company, AEW, because this was their first show, their first show produced. Are you sure about that? I'm like, I, I think AEW's first show happened to be a show that we were there alive for, which was Double or Nothing. Was that an AEW show? It was the first ever AEW produced show. Was that an AEW? It was. Are you sure? I'm pretty fucking sure it was. I'm like pretty sure it was, but all out. <sighs> but here, here's the thing. That now, one, now, it that, w- one, that one was the first, but all out was the one where if this one did not succeed, it would have failed the entire company because Double or Nothing fell and was supported by the success of all in. Which wasn't which wasn't really produced by All Elite Wrestling. Are you sure about that? Yes, because because uh, Double or Nothing was produced with AEW money. Anyways, all, all in. Yeah, no, no, all all out. No, I'm talking about Double or Nothing. Yes, that all, was that all, was AEW Double Double or Nothing was produced by AEW money, but it had it was followed by the momentum from the success of All In. All In was basically the trailer or the pilot for All Elite Wrestling. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. Because the Young Bucks and Cody were the were the producers of that show. That's who was doing the whole stuff Let's for say it. this. All Out was the show that established AEW as a structured corporation yes. with, it was, it was with still- a very clear hierarchy yes. of... Of top tier mid card and lower card talent. If double or nothing did not succeed, it would have definitely done this. But all out was the big gamble. This was where the most money was put in. This is where they were outside of somewhat larger cities. And also, this once again established championships, rivalries, everything. The other ones kind of did. All that was in Chicago. Yeah. I said this one was outside of that. Anyways, talk about it a little bit more. Because Double or Nothing was already in talks and during All In. All Out was not. That's so, true. Yeah. So, but AEW, this, this was the event where... I, they, I wouldn't say that Chicago's a small city to no, do. No, it's, it's not. But AEW wouldn't have been taken seriously if this specific 
one. Okay, failed. I get it. Because this was, like I said, this was the establishment of a clear hierarchy yes. of, of individuals, of performers, yes. of tag teams, of everything. Yes. So obviously, um, and also this one was the first technical chronologically thing within the all-out, all-in lore um, for all the wrestling. Because obviously all-in was not produced by them. It had 10 matches, two for the pre-show, with Chris Jericho and Hangman Adam Page for the inaugural AEW World Champion main eventing the show. But it also had Kenny Omega and Pac, and then the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks in a ladder match for the AAA World Tag Team Champions, because no other championship at this time was established. Right. There was literally one champion, and that was the AEW World Champion. Right. So, um, obviously, it was a clear success and obviously with the whole thing about tonight it is a powerhouse in wrestling do you believe that all in all out is their wrestlemania AEW's. that's hard to say it's either that or double or nothing but i feel like all out might be more so that's hard to say. It's only been three years, so we don't really know. I think that they're co-WrestleManias. Well, I don't know. I mean, there were other companies that had their, you know, WrestleManias before that. And actually, we're going to be talking about that here in a minute. All right. So, we're going to go way back to 1997. You know, back oh, in the day. Oh, Lord. This, barely legal 1997. This was, a, this was ECW's WrestleMania. Well, this was their gamble. It was. Now, if you want to talk about a company that gambled Everything. No, never mind. It was November to remember. That was their WrestleMania. Yes, but this one was their first one on pay-per-view. It was. So here's what the issue was regarding Barely Legal because of what they had to do to get this thing on here. Number one, this was their first pay-per-view. November to remember is important in the ECW lore, but this one was where they went national. Mm -hmm. Because this was still when pay-per-view was like the beast fucking news. If you were not on pay-per-view and you were a wrestling company, you're not an established wrestling company. Right. So, um, Request TV initially canceled Barely Legal in 1996. Because actually this show was supposed to be in 1996. Ah. Because wrestling journalist Wade Keller alerted Request TV... Um, of the November 1996 mass transit incident. Oh, Lord. During the interview about the event, another company, Premier, expressed concern over the amount of violence ECW showcased and its programming was not suitable for children. Jesus Christ. Eventually, the efforts of emails and hundreds of fans, of hundreds of fans, by the way, um, Premier decided to carry the event. However... Emails sent to Viewer's Choice and Cablevision. Remember, this is like cable. So, right. Um, the, the, these companies basically don't exist anymore. Um, were unsuccessful in convincing of the company right. to air the show. And they were unhappy with the visual imagery using ECW's television, including young Taylor Philgorn's involvement with the Raven Salmon feud, who was like, you know, that 10-year-old child that was into the cult of the Sandman. That was like right before this. So there was obviously a lot of controversy with this event. Um, after further discussions with ECW owner um, Paul Heyman and ECW GM Steve Carell, Request, um, Request TV 
revise their earlier decision and agree to carry the event under certain conditions, which including, among other things, an advanced script of the show, pushing back on the scripted start time from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Okay. And no excess amounts of blood, which is something that I feel like is... It can be done fairly easily because you can still, there is right. nothing outside of like anything too right. hardcore, radically extreme. ECW earned $66,000 in ticket sales in the attendance of 1,170 people. That's actually not too bad for an ECW event. The pay per view received a buy rate of 0.26, which is equivalent to approximately 104,000 buys. But just keep in mind of everything that this fucking company went through. They got some fucking, like, eyes to the product. Right. At the very least, they got that. And also, like, 9 p.m., even then, that was fucking late. Right. That was very late. Yeah. Um, the card included nine matches, including two dark matches. Main evented by Terry Funk versus Raven for the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The card also featured a three-way dance between Terry Funk, Sandman, and Stevie Richards to determine the number one contender for the world title, which was actually the match right before the main event, and Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm. They had to change a couple of different things about the actual event because certain people could or could not be in there right. because of certain uh, restrictions. Obviously, they couldn't keep Raven out of there because Raven was the um, ECW world champion going into the event itself. Right. So that one was kind of the thing. And here's the thing. If Barely Legal did not get on pay-per-view, ECW wouldn't have lasted until 2001. Mm. Like, this was huge for ECW. Yeah. I feel, I mean, this was really where, because then after this, they were on pay-per-view all the time. Right. And also tape trading, because that was actually a thing. If you young whippersnappers don't know what tapes are, we might do a, a wrestling lesson on um, tape trading and professional wrestling. That actually might be interesting. Um, was a tape. <laughs> oh Lord, PSP and Gallery is. You're not that fucking old. We we were around tapes. We had floppy disks for God's sake. Nick. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about um, WCW. Well, it was not WCW at the time, but it was Jim Crockett Promotions. Starcade in 1983, a flare for the gold. And that's what this event was called, by the way. Oh, Lord. Um, this was the first big move of Jim Crockett Promotions, or, you know, the predecessor to WCW, made to want to go national and compete against McMahon since they were going national as well. And Jim Crockett Promotions had the stranglehold of professional wrestling in the South. Right. Because Charlotte, um, Georgia, Miami to a point... Jacksonville especially, you know, those southern territories were very strictly this very old-school southern wrestling that we know and love. Yeah! So, um, the company bought a $1 million production unit. Mm -hmm. It's a mobile production unit, so basically a production truck. Okay. For $1 million. And by the way, this is early 1980s, so that's a lot of money, actually. Yeah. And this was their first televised show that they used this thing in. And this was groundbreaking for um, closed circuit television. Nice. And also, this is when closed circuit television was a thing because um, this is when WrestleMania, we will talk about that here in a moment. But 
uh, Jim Crockett Promotions did Starcade as their big time event to compete with McMahon to try to keep him away from the global expansion that eventually happened. Right. Um, the show didn't particularly save JCP, Jim Crockett Promotions, in the long term, but it was success to where McMahon pretty much stayed out of the South for the majority of the time in the earlys and 90s. Right. Um, at least to a point when Turner could buy up the companies, merge them, and create WCW. Right. But here's the problem. At one point in time, especially in the 80s, McMahon did own the time slot that Jim Crockett Promotions was in, which was Black Saturday, right. when he showed up on their event. Um, but, you know, Turner bought them out in 1988 and continued that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And really, Starcade was that big predecessor to make sure that McMahon did not get into the South for right. a very long time, actually. Right. Um, and there are actually a lot of Southerners who will recognize WCW and Jim Crockett promotions before WWF even to this day because that's what their their pappies and their grandpappies fucking were um, right. raised under. <laughs> we're going to lose all our Southern base, but it's fine. We are not Southern. Anyway, uh, the card featured eight matches and main eventing by Ric Flair and Harley Race for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in a Steel Cage match. And the card featured Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood taking on the Briscoe Brothers, the original Briscoe Brothers, Jay and or um, uh, Gerald and Jack Briscoe, mm -hmm. not Jay and Mark Briscoe. And then the NWA World Tag Team Champion, or for the NWA World Tag Team Champions, and Abdullah the Butcher taking on Carlos Colon, who is a piece of fucking shit. Wow, I don't like Carlos Colon. Anyway, let's talk about the big one. This was, I think, the biggest gamble of any professional wrestling company in the history of the world, and that is WrestleMania. Not just professionally, but personally for the McMahons. They um, refinanced and took out a third mortgage on their house to make this show happen and had a meeting with all of the participants in this entire thing stating that if WrestleMania did not go out with a, um, did not go, um, was not successful essentially, they would all be out of the job. They literally told them that. And also the McMahons would have been on the streets. They gambled everything on WrestleMania, mm -hmm. literally everything. Um, Madison Square Garden, this was the largest pro wrestling event on closed circuit television in the United States at the time with over 1 million viewers buying this on closed circuit television. Nice. A technical glitch ended the closed circuit broadcast early in showings in the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. To appease angry fans who pleaded to um, see this, WrestleMania was broadcasted in its entirety on local ABC affiliate WTAE-TV two weeks later as well. So even with that, it was still very successful. Hmm. There were nine matches on the card, with the main event being Hulk Hogan and Mr. T taking on Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper, main mm -hmm. eventing the show. Right. And then it also featured Andre the Giant and Big John Studd in a career versus $15,000 body slam challenge. And one match that I feel like a lot of people get wrong. Wendy Richter did not face a fabulous moolah at this show. She faced Lely Kai with a fabulous moolah in her corner hmm. for the WWF Women's Champion 
And this is when with Cindy Lauper went there and things where they were skipping around. Mm -hmm. Now, with Mr. T, who was an enormous celebrity at that time, especially with the A-Team, are you kidding? Mm -hmm. And then with Cindy Lauper's music video with Captain Lou Albano, this show would not have been successful. Right. Even with Muhammad Ali being there, if Mr. T was not wrestling and Cindy Lauper was not there, because I don't think people realize how big these two were, mm -hmm. this show would not have been as big as it was. And obviously, the gamble worked. We still fucking watch WrestleMania to this day, and there has never been a year where they miss it, including the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They never skipped it. They never skipped a year. There was, you know, good and bad years, but you always talk about the first. But here's the thing: sometimes gambles work, mm -hmm. and if you are a small company, uh, no matter how big you are, like GCW, they do it all the time, to taking out free mortgages on your house and basically betting all because you believe in the product like the McMahons. You might not like them now, but wrestling wouldn't be without this fucking show. Um, it's always good to bet on yourself. And I think these really illustrate that point very well if you believe in what you do. You'll always be successful. Well, mm -hmm. not always, but you know what I mean. Anyway, so when we come back, let's talk about AEW's All Out. Yeah! All right, let's talk about AEW's All Out show. Jesus Christ, this was exhausting. It was. It was good. It was probably one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in the yep. last 10 fucking years, but it was exhausting. I was tired. I mean... Damn, I mean, my balls were empty and I need a cigarette. Right. So let's talk about our first one, our new buy-in, because obviously Pac had some travel issues. Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and Jurassic Express taking on the Matt or the Hardy family office, all of them. This match was freaking awesome. It was. It was a good match. Um, it was a spot fest, but you expect that was a 10-man tag. Right. But at the same time... I think they gave this great time. Yeah. Everybody looked awesome in this match. Everybody did something, which I think was really good mm -hmm. for everybody, no matter if you won or lost. And it, the crowd was super into this. Oh, yeah. Like crazy into this. And after the match, Butcher and Blade, they became part of the Yeah, well, um, no. Um, Blade, Blade was already oh. in it. He wasn't in the match. But, but Butcher, Butcher, Butcher returned. Yep. He returned, so then they started beating down Orange Cassidy about to cut his hair, and then we had everybody come back out and run off. The uh, that was the uh, uh, the Dark Order. Yes, Dark Order. We had Jurassic Express come back out. Everybody came back out. Everybody hugged. Everybody lost their minds, too. It was great. Because it was, whoa. It was awesome. It was. it was. It was really great. People were exhausted even after number one. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a long fucking night. And it was. It was. Let's talk about our first actual match on the card. Miro taking on Eddie Kingston for the AEW TNT Championship. Um, Lana on Twitter is the best thing. Just... In general. Oh, I know. She was so funny. Just, just read her shit on Twitter. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. So um, the match itself was pretty brutal. There was some great stuff. And there were a couple of times where I thought that Mira was actually going to lose this. Yeah. But it was a low blow, which I thought was great because um, it was redeemed D's nuts. And yep. Hit him in the nuts. Great little uh, wrap into there. Yeah. And then a mule kick for Miro to retain. Great opener. Awesome match. Yeah. 
wonderful pacing too. Yeah, it was. It, everything about this was just. I was surprised that they made this the opening match, but I kind of understand why. It was it was an exhausting night. It really was. It it very much was. So the next one was, if I can find it, I did not order this in the when we saw it. Anyway, uh, John Moxley taking on Satoshi Kojima. It was not what I expected it to be, but it was okay. It was an enjoyable little match. It was. I think, once again, you had two really big blow-off matches. You needed a cool-down. This was that cool-down match. Right. And um, it was really, really good. Paradigm shift on Satoshi, who looks great, by the way. Peanut Gallery is like, how old is this guy? He looks like he's in his mid-30s. No, he's in his 50s. He just looks that good. This has a weirdly long neck. It's just very strange. And uh, after <laughs> after the match, Minoru Suzuki made his debut in AEW. And, and they just bend Moxley and Minoru Suzuki beat the crap out of each other. And that match will happen on Dynamite. Hooray. And yeah, Moxley won. I mean, like I said, an enjoyable match. I wouldn't say go out of your way to watch it, but it was fine. Let's talk about the next match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Taking on Chris Statlander. Our galaxy's favorite alien. And this match and was... And my favorite women... My favorite person, woman on this roster. Really? Yes. Oh. Chris Statlander is my fave. Interesting. Um, she is my galaxy's favorite alien. Um, It was a solid match. I wouldn't say it was, like, um, uber amazing. Oh, I was going to wait for you to say, hmm. Hmm. I mean, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but it was the lockjaw for Britt Baker to win and retain the AEW Women's World Champion. That was to be expected. But once again, a solid match. Yeah. There wasn't really anything in there that really stood out big and bright nope. and shiny at all. So that was kind of disappointing. But, you know, Baker won. Hooray, hooray. Oh, Clapping. God, this match. Oh, it was this one next. Lucha Brothers and... Uh, Young Bucks. Young Bucks for in a seal cage match for the AEW World Tag Team oh, Champion. What a fucking match. These two teams killed each other in this match. There were some scary ass spots. There were. Um with the um with the shoe with the thumbtack yep. underneath where Matt Jackson kicked Penta right in the face where that could have gone so fucking wrong <laughs> there was a lot of trust put into that spot a lot of trust same thing with uh throwing the shoe into matt nick jackson yep a lot of trust there was a lot of trust on where that was going to go that kind of stuff is scary to me and i feel like i mean it wasn't really necessary the, the previous meeting between these two was a five and a half star match I think this was pretty close to that. Absolutely, it was a wonderful match, and it was a. Assisted. It was not. It was not too hardcore for people to get turned off by it. It was exhausting. But it was. It was spot fest city. It was. It was, it was a spot fest city. But you expect that with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. It's going to be a spot fest. Right. But they told a story with that, and it was brutal. It was a brutal story. But. Um, it was the assisted spike pile driver on Nick Jackson for the Lucha Brothers to win. We yeah. have new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Absolutely. Thank God. I am so Thank happy. goodness. I'm so happy for the Lucha Brothers to finally win these belts. It was a long time coming, definitely. And it was a great journey. And obviously, the Young Bucks were one of the greatest tag teams in the world. 
Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, let's talk, well, okay, this is an older graphic because I had it already, I wasn't going to change it. Uh, the Casino Battle Royale, Pina Gallery was doing the monitoring of who was the participants because I was making dinner at this point. The clubs were the first uh, group, Hikaru Shida, Sky Blue, Emi Sakura, The Bunny, and Abaddon were the first group. Diamonds, Anna J, Kira Hogan, um, Kaylin King, Kaylin, yeah, Kylan, Kylan, King, Diamante, and Nyla Rose were in that group. Hearts, Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, Riho, Jamie Hader, and Big Swole. Spades were Tay Conti or Ty Conti, excuse me. Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, Jada Cargill, and Rebel. And finally, the Joker was Rebby, or no, not Rebby. Ruby Soho, everyone lost their mind. Everybody knew who it was, but it right. doesn't matter. But, you know, uh, unless you're Jim Ross, in which case it's Ruby Riot if you're Jim Ross. Okay, but it's, it's Jim fucking Ross. Let's call him. I know. Him. A guy who's been calling, well, he wasn't really calling Ruby Riot matches, but, you know, watching the product like that and all of that fun stuff, it kind of gets you into your headspace, yeah. you know? It was fine, though, but Soho did win by eliminating Thunder Rosa. I would have been okay with either one of them to win that, but I think Soho was the right call. Well, I mean, just overall. Is someone new for Britt Baker um, to... I thought the Battle Royal, honestly, too, was very good. It was very well paced. They eliminated the right number of people before the number of other... New people come right. in, so mm-hmm. there was a nice little healthy group of people every single time. Yep. All right, we got to talk about it. The final fight. MJF, Chris Oof. Jericho. If Chris Jericho lost this match, which he didn't, uh, he would not be able to compete in All Elite Wrestling ever again. The match itself was dramatic. I'm not sure if I would consider that good. You know what? It, was, it wasn't the best Chris Jericho MJF match I've seen, but if this is their blow-off match... It was a pretty good blow-off match. I can see that. No, I, I, I really can see that, definitely. I just hope that, and we'll do this when we make Pro Wrestling Majestic again, but this has to be the last one. Yep. MJF, Chris Jericho, it's been years in the making. Did Gato book this because it was so amazing, but it has to be it has to be done now. Right. Absolutely. Chris Jericho and MJF both. It was, it was a wall. Of, it was a wall of Jericho. MJF lost. Jericho is still going to be wrestling. I have some thoughts about that. Anyway, well, he's not going to wrestle as often as you think he. Is. I hope he doesn't. So let's talk about CM Punk's return. And okay, here's the thing. This is when I start losing my mind because CM Punk was wrestling again. CM Punk, Darby Allen. I never thought. I even told Peanut Gallery this. I never thought that CM Punk would wrestle again. After like four years, I'm like, I just don't think he's coming back. And after the UFC stuff, I'm like, I think he's done. Here's what. Here's what I even told Peanut Gallery. If CM Punk did not knock this out of the park. He could never wrestle again. He knocked this out of the park. It was knocked out of, and and you know it. It says nothing, nothing. Says now, okay, that, I mean, Darby Allen was the perfect person. Yep. To have this first match, I'm, I'm and and Darby was... Allen put up a fight. Yep. And here's it the... was fucking amazing. Here's the thing: this was not a five star match by any stretch of the imagination. It didn't have to be. It literally didn't have to be a five star. Because CM Punk coming back 
was... But, but see, CM Punk, CM Punk had to look good, and he did. It was a... They played this match fairly safe. Yeah. There were some things that he did not do that I just think he's just not... He's going to get integrated. Right. So, like, elbow drop, flying clotheslines, his tope suicida. I'm not sure if we saw that. Um, there were some things that he did not do. Number one, he doesn't have to. He can do very limited stuff and be totally fine. But also, you know, after seven years, you really think you're going to do a tope suicida and a flying clothesline? I wouldn't be comfortable doing that yet. Right. But CM Punk won with a GTS. Darby Allen was not buried. Uh, Sting came out, shook hands. Everyone showed respect. CM Punk wore long trunks, which bothered me more than it should have, but it did. <laughs> but anyways, the, the point being is that this was a great return match for CM Punk. Oh, yeah. And oh. CM Punk does not need, nor should he ever go for, the AEW World Champion. Because I don't want, he I don't is, want him he to. He is beyond that. Yes, I don't want him to go for the AEW World Champion at all. Zero. That, that is what babies do. If he goes for the AEW World Champion, I'm going to be frustrated. Anyway. We got to talk about it because it was a match on this fucking oh, card. Oh, Lord. This was terrible. Now, people, people bitch to me when I, because I do that small little thing on TikTok. By the way, follow me on TikTok. That I said that Paul White going, getting back in the tour of the ring was a very poor idea. He had this choke slam on a dynamite that looked fucking awful. And this match was not good. He was very slow. Yeah. He was not weak, Ugh. but he was not. No, stop. Ugh. Stop. Don't ever. Ugh. Big Show has nothing. Paul White. There's no more BS with Paul White. Okay, I'm sorry. 20 fucking years of being conditioned to call him Big Show. It's Paul White, Jim Ross, you fuck. <laughs> Paul White. Cannot get back into the ring as Paul White, the Giant, Big Show, none of it. He is done. This was awful. He can barely move. And yeah. QT Marshall, bless his heart, he tried his best. Sorry, QT Marshall was just as bad as he was, so we'll roll with it. Ugh. I feel so bad. It's like, it's like White... Don't get into the ring. You're going to ruin your reputation like fucking Goldberg did. Don't. Like who? You know who I you know who I said. You I, heard it. I don't know. All I heard was I heard it was Geeberg. <laughs> Gilberg. Are you talking about Oldberg? Bill Billberg. <laughs> Billberg? I mean William what? Williamberg. Goldbill. <laughs> All I know is Oldberg. I mean, he's an asshole. <laughs> he's an asshole. Nothing, nothing else. All right, let's talk about this main event. Um, it was, it was not as good as their first match was. No, not their by first, the first match for the uh, Impact TNA, World Champion. Yep, that was that, that was awesome. That was, was awesome. This, was this not, one was not, and I, I think part of it was because I lost my breath after the. Uh, the I match was ended. I was exhausted by this time. I, I think my brain was shot. And then, of course, we had to have two major debuts, not just one. But, but let's talk about the match. Shut up. Let's talk about the match. I know you're excited. Um, it was a second rope one-wing angel, which I thought was crazy, mm -hmm. for Kenny Omega to retain the champion. Um, I'll, I'll have some thoughts about that. But we go ahead. Now you want to talk about it. Go ahead. 
All right, so the first debut that we had, well, the second, I guess, if you don't count Ruby, so it was Adam Cole, baby. That one was kind of crazy. And, of course, he's a heel because he's sided with the Bullet Club slash the Elite the slash elite. Kenny Omega slash the Young Bucks slash people. And then he, and then, and then, and then Kenny Omega kept talking like, hold on, there's one more debut. Then, <gasps> And it was Brian Danielson. You almost said it. I know you did. But I did not. So Brian Danielson made his debut in AEW. (laughs) And Brian Danielson did some yes kicks for Brian Danielson to come out on top. Yes, um, that was kind of crazy to Brian see Brian Danielson. Danielson. <laughs> um, people lost their ever-loving minds. I mean, I knew I knew that Brian Danielson was going to make his debut. <laughs> like, well, initially it was New York, but they wanted to push him up. I did not I expect. Think right I did not expect Adam Cole. I did not either. That was kind of crazy. Um, I because I knew that he did not he ran out his contract so there he was did. no ninety day non compete just like Moxley did, which you know good for him to do that but you know people are like it was really funny I saw this on Instagram and I thought it was really interesting it's like oh indie stars can't sell out arenas well number one there are still people who don't want to go to like pandemic shit. Who who's an indie star at this point? Aren't they all indie stars? Isn't Samoa Joe an indie star? Right. Samoa Joe's an indie isn't, star. Isn't Seth AJ Rollins. isn't AJ Styles an indie star? Right. AJ Styles. Isn't isn't uh isn't Tyler Black an indie star who's now known Seth Rollins? Right. Isn't isn't John Cena an indie star? Wasn't he an indie star at one point? No. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. He was on OVW. OVW was a WWE training camp. What about uh, what about um, um, uh, Joe Anoa'i? Wasn't wasn't he an indie star? He only wrestled in FCW, and that was a WWE ah. training camp. Right. No, he didn't. He never wrestled for any other company other than WWE. Ah, I see. Yeah, I see. Well, Samoa Joe was. It was, it was like star. it was like it was like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was on indie star. No, Brock Lesnar just was signed right out of college to WWE and was trained. But he went to NJPW, so wasn't he an indie star? <laughs> but that was after he was established in WWE. All Anyways, time. point being is that there's no such thing. Like, this whole indie star shit needs to stop. And I'm tired of it. When we make Pro Wrestling with Jess again, I might bitch about that later. But... So when we come back, not only are we going to make AEW Majestic again, but we're going to make, once again, Pro Wrestling Majestic again. All right, let's make this shit Majestic again. All right, one of the only matches that we actually have to make Majestic, and by that we mean it shouldn't have happened. Yes, Paul White, no, absolutely not. QT Marshall, bless your heart. You have your little toadies. They're younger and one of them actually had a really decent little match with Cody. Right. Have them be your mouthpiece. You're, I mean, I don't know. I feel bad for QT Marshall. He had to do this with Paul White. And Paul White. It was QT Marshall, Adam. It's QT Marshall. I called you by a real name. Paul White is, no, just stop, dude. Anyways. Go, so- go back to commentary. You are, Paul White is great on commentary. And that's where you should stay. So let's just move on to the next match. When you have fucking five hip surgeries, that's pretty much time to call it quits. I wouldn't have changed a damn let's thing. Let's move on then. 
Um, even like the um, run-ins and everything. Don't bump into my table. Um, I wouldn't have changed a single thing with this. Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. When when you don't have to make anything pro, if you don't make anything majestic again, don't make anything majestic again. <laughs> um, I feel like it should have been more of a death match. Well, I'm I'm just so used to John Moxley doing death matches. I, I hate weird. I, I hate saying this, but. I would have switched who was facing Moxley next week. Yes. And who faced him oh, tonight. Oh, yeah. So I would, I would have done Satoshi Kojima next week. I would have done Minoru Suzuki tonight because Minoru Suzuki is just a Japanese John Moxley. Or right. John Moxley is just an American Minoru Suzuki. And this is n- taking nothing away from Satoshi Kojima, but when you think a match against John Moxley from New Japan, there are only a couple of names that come to mind. Satoshi Kojima is not one of them. Minoru Suzuki is literally the first person that comes to mind. Yes, he is literally the first person. And like I said, we're not taking anything away from Kojima. It's just that with All Out, with something like this, something as big as this, that was the match. I, I wonder if it was the last-minute decision, too. I feel like it was. It was. Absolutely. Um, with, okay. <sighs> this uh, is hard. It was an opening match. It was fine. Um, the rivalry was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. There, I mean, there, was, there were some good memeable moments, and I really liked the brawling that they did during the week. Here's my issue with this. I feel like Kingston should have won. No, Miro was the perfect person. I don't know. Miro, Miro was picking up where... I was where one, uh, where I was Brody Lee kind of did not. I mean, obviously it wasn't his fault that he couldn't be that person to kind of bring it up to that next level. But Miro kind of like took that torch and was like, this is the next level shit. I know, but I feel like Kingston was too over. People really needed him to win. And I feel like Miro could have eaten that, even if it was with some bullshit. Again, it's a rock and a hard place. Where do you want to go? It really is. I mean, I'm just telling you what I would have personally done. Because remember, we're making this majestic again. Yeah. Now, luckily, with how this match ended, yeah. they made this to where they all do this again. They, they could do it again. They I want to see this on full gear in a death match. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's how you do that shit. That would make pro wrestling majestic again. Oh, Wrong way. way. Oh, God. I would not have changed it. I wouldn't have either. I just... Here's the thing. Uh, Because I do want to say something about this. They should have waited for this to be the fifth labor of Jericho. Wasn't this the fifth labor? It was not. They had this match a couple of weeks before, and Jericho lost. Clean. He tapped out. This was not the fifth labor. It should have been. Exactly. This should have been the fifth labor. And that's why I did not have that much of an interest in this match because... See, I thought this was... They already fought. And and MJF beat him clean. Yeah, that was wrong. Yep. And that's why I was not that interested in this match. And I hope that this is the end of this rivalry. MJF and Chris Jericho. Well, this they said this was the final fight. If they continue with this rivalry, I'm going to be really pissed off. And guess what? MJF, Chris Jericho was a year and a half in the making. This is Gato booking right here. Yep. This is Gato booking. It is so... Mm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it absolutely is. But, but yeah, this has to be it. Yep. MJF should move on. Chris Jericho should move on. That's the that's the point, which right. is perfect. It's fine. Right. 
I like this. It was fine. Um, it was an opening match. It, it was the opening match. It was a last-minute match, but there was a ri- there were rivalries here. There are. So that's why I never had a problem with this. A lot of lower-card tag teams kind of in the mix, which is fine. Whatever. I probably would have maybe not have made it a five- or a ten-person tag. That's just me, though. Yeah, it was kind of a spotty. Yeah. I wouldn't have changed a fucking goddamn motherfucking thing about this. Like, nope. zero Like, about zero this. percent. Let's move on. Winner, pacing, the rivalry, how Lucha Brothers got the tag team opportunity. None of it. Oops. Oh. Wouldn't have changed it. It was fine. Hmm. Um. So. Chris Statlander. I, I hate saying this. Chris. Chris. Chris like Statlander is a lot better than she was a year ago. Chris Statlander has had way too many world title opportunities. And I feel like I... However, however, Chris Statlander was undefeated. She's, she is a lot better. And yes. she is a lot better than she was a year ago. It this was a much better This is a match. much different cast. Chris Statlander, I'll give you that one 100%. But obviously, she is no longer in contention because she lost the match. I hope she's not. I hope she's not at least for a while because it's like she's gotten three opportunities and she lost all of them. It's yeah, like, that's fine. That's fine. And obviously, but she was undefeated since she came back. This felt like a sleeper match. I don't want that. I don't want to feel that with a women's world title match. It just kind of felt like flat on his face to me. I don't know. That's fine. I just. I, I, I mean, felt like that's why it went the length it did. And I felt like it could have been better. It could have been, but it wasn't. So Ow, there we son go. Son of a bitch! I kept kicked the goddamn thing. Anyway. Um. um Let's I wouldn't have done anything. That. I wouldn't have done anything. I thought this was a great it battle was, royal. It was a cluster flank. It was spot fest, but that's battle royal. I, I actually don't even think it was spot fest. I thought this was a very well structured, well paced, um, good rivalries kind of festering yeah. within the actual thing itself. It wasn't overly busy. Um, Nyla Rose still looked good, even with her defeat. Mm-hmm. Thunder Rosa is still obviously a very solid contender for the championship. And then they established Ruby Soho as an immediate main top player. People well, are going to well, get upset uh, about it. Unless your name's Jim Ross, and which name is Ruby Ryan. Oh, my God. Give him, cut him, cut him some know. slack. <laughs> it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an AEW bingo if Jim Ross didn't make one mistake. Goddamn, you know, he called fucking WWE for 40 fucking years. You know, try, try to readjust yourself to that. Come on. <laughs> I would be I'm being facetious. I can barely readjust myself to somebody's name change in a week. So. Oh my God, you're so bad. <laughs> um, Jesus. But no, I, I liked, I, I really like this Battle Royal. I do like to boast about this. I, I just thought it was structured really How long well. do you think it's going to take for you to readjust Adam Cole's name to Adam Cole, baby? <laughs> Five seconds. I might slip up with some um, Daniel Bryan's and my Brian Danielson rants, but that hasn't happened yet. But you know, it's Daniel, it's Brian Danielson. It's Brian Danielson. He's it's going Daniel by his actual Bryanson. name. It's going by his actual name. It's so frustrating, but okay. Um, overall, just this show was amazing, amazing. But I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. Peanut Gallery's tired. I'm tired. So thank you all for listening to this. What is on the agendas for next week? Next week, we only have one pay-per-view. Thank awesome. God. So we're going to have extended wrestling, extended heckling, and then we're also going to be covering one night of 
death before dishonor. It's only one night. So, Mick. And then the week after that is going to be something cool. I have something really cool in mind. So, um, subscribe wherever you're listening to this. So, you stay up to date with that. Uh, subscribe to the channel on YouTube and all of our cool shit on all different places like Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, um, app, uh, Google Podcasts, all that great stuff. Uh, become a patron for exclusive stuff, including merch. And as always, be majestic.